So as, as I was a bit intentional earlier on about not um, disclosing what I was going to, where we're going in the next few weeks as, as a church, um, there have been two things that have been really very close to my heart, and it will be very silly for me to say that actually, who is the pastor that does not dream and pray for growth of the congregation, you know? So that's, that's my passion, that I want for us to grow in maturity, and I want for us to grow in numbers. And we've been talking about growth, and... There's numerous books, there's numerous articles, there's no, you, all you need to do is put church growth on Google and you'll be immersed by this. And the, my fear is that in us talking about this, that, that, that it's this kind of theoretical term that we cannot come to, to grips with. And what I want to do with the series and what we want to, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, the church a meeting about the direction of the teaching series for 2020 is that what does this growth look like in practical terms and who who's responsible for it and what are we going to do for it so my first uh, loaded question that I've got for us is uh, by the way I'd lost my clicker and I'd forgotten it on my desk that's why I had to go earlier on are you ready to grow in 2020. This is not a New Year's resolution. This resolution has been running for 2,000 years. Are you ready to grow in 2020? And we're going to, to kick off the series um, by looking at a very familiar passage. I think it's the most used parable of all times. It's the parable of the sower. Let's open our Bibles in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to be uh, reading a little bit about that. And then I'm going to tell you where we're going. Uh, you find the parable also in Mark chapter 4. But today we're going to be focusing at, Mark, at Matthew chapter 13. If you need a Bible, Jill can, can help. But I'm sure there are some Bibles in front of you. Um, on your tables. Would somebody like to pray for us? And then would somebody like to read Matthew chapter 13, 1 to 9? It could be two separate people. It doesn't have to be... I've got two mics. Lisa, what would you like to do? Read or pray? Good. And who'd like to read? Oh, Ruth. Great. Sorry. Let's do that. Father, I thank you for this gathering of your people. I thank you that they are our family. And I pray that you bless us as we come to listen and to learn. And I pray that you speak to us and challenge us where we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables 
parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his words. I know it's familiar, and I don't want to spend a lot of time into the familiarity of the, the, the parable, but there are a few things that come out here that we can identify with. And the first thing is that actually sowing is a risky business. Actually, farming is a risky business. And it's costly, and it takes time. So there is, there is an element in the parable that talks about the risks and the consequences. The other thing is that we see here is that the sower is very generous. And probably uh, 2,000 years ago in the agricultural um, Israel, the sowing was done manually. It was, um, you know, we see pictures of this uh, people with bags on their side and then throwing seeds. But here, the sower is a generous sower. And he sows in faith. He sows in faith. He, 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 he sows it with a hope that sometime, or somehow those seeds are going to turn into whatever he has planned to be putting on that plot of land. And the other thing here is that the question is not about the quality of the seeds. The parable is putting into question the quality of the soil. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Of chapter 13. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed and fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since has no roots, he lastly only short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed and fell on good soil, is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times. There is an expectation 
that this going to be a crop with this investment. Each of those soils give us warnings, give us instructions, give us ideas of what to do. And one of the things that is very clearly here from from this, this parable is that actually Jesus is talking about this, this kingdom and how people respond to his message, how they respond to his words. And, but we need to be aware that that seed is very generous. The kingdom of God is very generous. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't have opposition. And the thing that you need to be aware of in this parable is that there is a chief thief in operation. There is a significance, not, so that's why I said it's not the quality of the seed that is in question here. The significance is whether this seed is going to land on a piece of earth that is going to be giving roots, foundations. When I showed the slides to Ruth, she says, how many youth group names do we need more? For those of you who are not aware, Roots and Foundations are our young people's groups. But, but it's so important. And then the other thing is that not only is the opposition, not only is the, 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 the significance of Roots and stuff, but also clutter that chokes. And the other warning that is very positive in this matter is the key is good soil. The key is good soil. We're going to take those things Because I think they are significant to our growth as disciples of Jesus. And we're going to be using a Bible book from the New Testament that kind of, it's not that I've made it to to be thinking about that, but kind of uh, deals with all those four different areas. For the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about it a, a little bit just this morning, just to kick off the series. And then uh, for the next six weeks, we're going to go in depth to, to all the verses and stuff like that. But why, why the book of Colossians? Now, um, just to make you aware that Colossians is one of those needed books in the New Testament because it's got a great picture of who Christ is. And um, it's a congregation that it's not planted by Paul. Uh, We read that Epaphras was the guy who heard the good news of Jesus and he took it to Colossae and therefore a church started from there. It's part of this group of churches here which is, you know, um, 
It's, it's where, where you see how the fulfillment of Paul's ministry is happening because he's being an apostle to the Gentiles and now he sees that the good news of Jesus has gone. We're going to go in depth about Colossae a little bit more in the coming weeks. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the geography and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a, it's a group of people who finds themselves in actually embracing the gospel, seeing what God has done for them, but saturated in that culture that is full of challenges and pressures. And yet, the expectation is that the kingdom seeds are expected to work in the same way for the disciples on the time when Jesus was sharing the story of the parable of the sower, as well as 50 years on, as well as 2,000 years on. The seeds of the kingdom fall on a cultivated soil and they give fruit and growth for the kingdom. And this is the message of Paul for the Colossians. This is what he wants. He wants for them to grow, to grow in their confidence of who Christ is and to embrace the new life that he has given them. Don't worry, I'm not going to call the series The Newness of Life. I've got a different name. I'm going to introduce it next week. But, but this is what Paul wants. He wants for them to experience and to, 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 to go for Jesus. Because he knows that he has seen. We read it in the, in, in the first chapter. He has seen that the seeds of the kingdom in Colossae have fallen on good soil. He is going to start the letter by approving them of who they are and what they've done and their faith and their love and everything that they possess because of the seed that has fallen on good soil. Because they have embraced the kingdom. He's going to approve their discipleship. His heart is bursting with thankfulness because they have got faith and love and hope. He cannot speak any highly of them. And yet he wants to encourage to say, press on guys, this is it. Then with roots and with the foundations, Paul wants to to evaluate on their behalf and with them the spiritual climate of Colossae. What's stopping them from growth? What's hindering them to come and to experience the fruitfulness of the kingdom of heaven? What's going on in their surrounding that actually it's not stopping the church, but it's causing the church to to slow down and focus on this newness of life? So he's going to evaluate that actually there are two main things here. One of them is the way that they've been dealing and it's, it's with a culture that it's a little bit uh, the, the teaching that has been saying, okay, Jesus plus something else. It's called syncretism. Jesus plus a little bit of culture plus a little bit of, and we should be fine. And then the other thing is that there is a lot of temple language here that because they're not Jewish, but somehow they've been introduced to these new ideas about the law, which 
Both of these are slowing down the church to embrace the growth and the life that the kingdom gives. This is in the light of what's going on in Colossae. The other thing that is happening is because these are thing, things are going on, so the idea of syncretism and the idea of uh, going back to the Jewish roots, this has pickpocketed them of Jesus, of who Jesus is. And he has, Paul has to come up with this amazing statement. If you wanted a passage that you want to worship and praise God, just go to Colossians chapter 2. Go and read it, and you probably will not be able to, 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 to digest all it says, but if you wanted somewhere that you wanted to say and to see things about who Jesus is, go for it. But they have been distracted by these two things, and he's just bringing them back to saying, be aware, because the thief is stolen Jesus from you. And the last thing is that there is clutter. There is clutter in any church life. And their status and identity has been undermined because of who they are in Christ. And because it's undermined, the church in Colossae is trying to cope with it by adding stuff to their status and identity, which is not kingdom. They're wanting the approval. They're wanting to identify. They're wanting to draw parallelisms. But it's not kingdom stuff. So Paul is going to address all these things. And again, I, I've, not, I've not, I promise, I've not tried to, to interpret the whole of Colossians on the light. But, but it so fits with the parable of the sower, of what is going on in Colossae. And these are the things that actually we're going to be looking as a church as we, as we look at growth in the next seven weeks. What implications does Colossians have for us? Well, let's start with a positive. Let's start with approving your discipleship. Let's start with encouraging growth. But also, let's say that actually there is the spiritual climate of our day and age is very tricky. And the beauty of this challenge is that Paul comes to the Colossians from a pastoral place of not telling them off, but pointing the things that need to be addressed, bringing them to their attention and saying, guys, if you wanted to grow, this is where you need God's help and God's spirit to come and help you. So, I'll go back to the question that I asked in the beginning. Are you ready to grow 
in 2020. Are you ready to look at the opportunity that God has given us good soil and we are good soil? Are you ready to evaluate what's going on in our surrounding? And in the light of that, be aware of the chief thief and the clutter. We have to bring it before God. Just to give you a taste of how this series is going to start, because Paul starts it very well. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. An apostle of Christ by the will of God. Isn't it interesting that he starts the statement of the letter with something that has happened in his life and how the seed of the kingdom of God has decided to fall on good soil and now he is a transformed man. Because before he met Jesus Christ, he was living for the will of man. And now he's an apostle by the will of God. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had that boldness and statement to say that my spiritual gift, my acts of worship for God come from the will of God. So, I am a pastor by the will of God. I am, I started with me because I need to state that. I am a caretaker by the will of God. I am a teacher by the will of God. I am a helper by the will of God. I am a prayer warrior by the will of God. And the list goes on. Go this week and look into the gifts that God has given you. If you're not sure, go and talk to somebody to pray with you. And claim those gifts with the power of the Spirit. Because that's where the growth starts. And then he addresses the congregation. Now the NIV says brothers, but it's not that. It's the whole congregation. And he says, this congregation is holy. 
which means it's set apart. And yet, in Christ. So it's shifted, and yet, in something that is great. What an amazing statement. And I would love to bless you there today. Cairns Road, brothers and sisters, people of the kingdom of God, set apart and in Christ. And then he greets them. Grace and peace. He's experienced grace. He's experienced God's peace. And he just wants to impart that. Let's stop there. Let's pray. We're going to be taking communion um, shortly. But I just want to give some time now to be thinking a little bit about what I've shared on this. The good soil, the roots, the thief, and the clutter. And I want to give some space for us to think about that and to confess and to repent if that's the case.